Ron has got a lot of exciting things to share with us. So Ron, I'm just going to hand it off to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're going to be talking about today. And then I know you've got a presentation for us. So feel free to share your screen. Yeah, let me unmute myself. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. My name's Ron Galloway. I primarily, if I had to describe myself, would be a researcher of kind of very niche things in terms of healthcare and finance. Um, like I gave, I've, I've recently been given presentations on 5,000 years of history of interest rates, which is about as niche as you can possibly get. Although I will mention to y'all, since y'all are real estate investors, that, that right now, you know, the real rate is, uh, and I think I might've said this before, but you know, your real rate of interest right now is probably negative 10%. So there's like no better time to be investing in real estate. Speaking of Savannah, Savannah, uh, Chris mentioned Savannah and Augusta or Savannah and Columbus. Savannah is blowing up and will continue to blow up primarily because of the port. And so if you just follow Savannah out uh, west from Savannah out Rinkin, I think it's Highway 25, that you've never seen an area blowing up like that area is blowing up right now. And in Columbus, if you go a little bit south of Columbus, Columbus is wonderful. If you go a little bit south of there, there's a town called Chillicothe. It's about, I'm going to say 50 miles south, 40, 50 miles south, where there is just a complete shortage of, of rental units for anything down there. So I just wanted to mention those, those couple of things before we got started. Essentially, what I'm talking about today is carbon credits and is it possible to make money uh, in carbon credits? And of course, carbon credits are a bit of an offshoot of, uh, of regulation. Yeah, we're talking about regulation. I have a friend in Germany, by the way, who says because of regulation there, it's literally almost impossible to build a house, you know, no matter what. But um, but regulation has produced this 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 market in literally air, uh, in, in carbon. And I'm, what I'm gonna do in my presentation is sort of run through uh, how that started. And it's a real offshoot. I don't know if y'all have paid attention to it yet of something called the ESG uh, movement, the uh, environmental uh, social governance movement, which is extremely strong in investing right now. Uh, if you're, uh, if you're a company now, you know, if you're Microsoft and you want institutions to keep buying your stock, you sort of have to prove your, your environmental, social governance street cred or else fund managers will, will stop buying your stock. And one way that a company like Microsoft does that is they will buy, even though they really don't manufacture much, they, they buy, they've committed to buying a certain number of carbon credits over the next um, 25 years, I believe it is. And it's not just them. It's about 70% of the Fortune 500 now are trying to meet uh, environmental, social, and governance goals. And the way I think many of them are going to be doing it is through uh, governance or it's through carbon credits. All right, here's where we do. I'm going to do the share screen thing here for a second to get my uh, my uh, presentation up. So y'all bear with me for just a second. And Ken, if I mess this up, you know, help me. Anyway, hold on one second, please. Did that work? 
Yeah, we can see your screen now. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> All right, yeah. Then and like at the bottom, I put a disclaimer. It's it's not investment advice. It's kind of more like a more like a history lesson. But but what you're going to find is uh, what I what I have found is carbon credits. You don't think of it like a stock that you invest in. You actually environmental type things are going to be thought of as an asset class, uh, much as stocks as are an asset class or crypto is now an asset class. Environmental things are an asset class to diversify into. And I believe the way that people sort of the, the least or the easiest way to do it is, is through um, exchange traded funds. But I, I what I wanna do is explain to y'all how it all started and if it were me, uh, what I would be doing with this, let's see if I can advance my slides. Uh, one second. Yay. So uh, what are carbon credits? Carbon credits, it's kind of interesting. They're, they're sort of something made out of nothing. Uh, there, there is a carbon market that exists that allows investors, people like y'all and corporations to, to trade carbon credits and carbon offsets simultaneously carbon offsets and carbon credits i'll explain or yeah, and carbon credits i'll explain what the difference is but in terms of investing just think of them as as one thing and because starting with kyoto we sort of went into um a sort of a, a an environment where climate change came to the forefront since then it's sort of interesting how things have uh, gotten monetized a little bit. The, like I said, the interest in the carbon markets really started with the 1997 Kyoto Protocols, where people uh, agreed on certain targets, their countries agreed on certain targets they were going to have uh, for carbon emissions. And they quickly realized the only way to make this feasible is to have a market in those emissions that could be traded back and forth. The best analogy I can make for it is, is a euro dollar. It's carbon credits are sort of the euro dollar of, of the environmental uh, movement. And, and so the goals were laid out um, in 1997 and they've sort of been moving the goalposts since. I'll tell you the countries that are, that are active in it are their Canada, uh, the EU, uh, the UK, China, New Zealand, Japan, uh, and South Korea are the countries that are, are really participating in it the most right now. Russia's holding off a little bit on it, but those are the countries that are very active. In the United States, most of the activity uh, in carbon credits is really in California. In fact, they have a separate trading market for it, um, which, which I'm going to show y'all. But it in effect is being rolled out to into all states, um, the regulation of, of carbon and trading of carbon, because let's say Coca-Cola is in Atlanta, Georgia, Coca-Cola will buy uh, carbon credits to, to sort of satisfy uh, either a cap and trade requirement or to satisfy their ESG targets, which I mentioned earlier, their environmental um, governance and societal uh, targets. So it's they've sort of de facto moved from California to all states that essentially have an industry. And the unit that they're measured in, <coughs> pardon me, is in uh, carbon dioxide tons. 
And it's not a ton as we think of a ton in terms of, you know, 2000 pounds. It was sort of, they decided what a ton is. And the average American uses 16 carbon dioxide tons a year. Um, and which if you multiply that by the price of a carbon ton right now, which today is about $89, means the average American uh, uses about $1,000 in carbon credits um, per year. Um, and, and if you fly, you know, I'm sure you've seen when you fly, you're able to purchase carbon credit offsets to make up for the fact that, that you know, you're using, um, you're using, you're burning carbon or releasing carbon uh, when you fly. But what's interesting to me is they literally invented a, a commodity out of thin air. If you've been looking at, at commodity markets recently, you've noticed that, well, you can't miss that ammonia is up. Corn has um, basically quadrupled. Um, steel is up, coffee's up, and coffee's going to go higher. These are what we think of normally as commodities, power, you know, gas. Those are commodities. But what they've done is they've, they've, they've literally, governments in conjunction with the trading industry have literally invented a new commodity out of thin air. And that commodity is tradable on futures markets, just like you can trade uh, pork bellies on futures markets or, or other things. It's a it's a commodity that doesn't exist, but it exists, which in, in another sense is how it's a little bit reminiscent of Euro dollars because we have fiat money. So it exists, yet it sort of doesn't exist. But it's very interesting to me, and it's an asset class that's really coming on. I'm going to show you all some graphs later on, but I mentioned uh, that the price is about $89 right now. The price of carbon um, at the beginning of the year uh, in the futures markets was $72. So in one month, it's gone from 72 to 89, which is like about 15%. In September of 2002, a ton of carbon was $16. So in the space of, what is that, 18 months, 16 months, it's gone from 16 to 89, the price of carbon, which is why investable carbon, which is why it's worth looking at as, um, as an investable asset because it, it goes up in price and it's going up in price because it's, it's essentially being regulated to have to go up into price because they keep, they, they're setting targets for companies and companies are more and more meeting them by buying uh, carbon credits, which there's a fixed number of. So there's a fixed supply, but the demand is increasing. Carbon offsets, uh, if you're a company, you can actually offset your, your carbon requirements uh, by you know, having solar panels, some type of renewable energy, uh, planting trees, or, or doing what's known as, as carbon capture. So these things can generate, and remember, carbon offset for investing purposes really is, is, is a tradable thing. And companies are able to trade these things uh, within each other. Uh, the number of, of credits issued each year is based on emission targets. So essentially a country will have an emission target and then that country will assign emission targets to basically industry classes and then from industry classes down to the very companies. So like Georgia Pacific 
will have a, a particular cap of emissions that they can release for the year. And the cap decreases over time, all right? So it makes it harder. So if you're Georgia Pacific, it, it makes it harder to stay within the cap because the cap keeps going down. And one way they're making up for that if they're keeping their product emission studies is they essentially have to buy carbon credits. So carbon credits can be thought of as a permission slip for a company to emit up to a certain set of markets for CO2E, that's a ton of carbon, uh, that year. And like I said, what it's done is it's created a, a market that's artificial yet not artificial. It was created by the government. Industry is following it. There's a market for it now. And then, now that there's a, a freely, easily tradable market for it, um, it's sort of shifted the conversation in the environmental movement and made things a little bit easier for companies. If you look at um, on the left, you've got company A, emitter A, who uh, you see their cap as the little dotted line up there. And they have gone over, <coughs> pardon me, they've gone over their cap. So GHG is real greenhouse gas emissions. And so what they can do to get back down to their emission, um, their allowable emissions, is they can purchase from company B who did not reach. They emitted less than they thought they were going to emit. So they, they wound up with credits that they can then sell through the carbon market to company A and um, allow company A to meet their, their targets for the year, or they can, um, they can hold on to them and use them as a credit in future years. But what it's become, it's, it's, it's a commodity that doesn't exist, but now in everybody's minds, it's like the Euro dollar, it's, it's, it does exist. It doesn't exist, but it does exist. Where things get interesting, is you see, this is the um, the voluntary carbon market value. Uh, in the purple is the market size um, of, of how large they think it's going to grow. But in the gray, you're seeing speculation within this. And this is what we're seeing right now. I believe what's going to happen is much as um, I think last, last year, some of y'all may remember uh, with GameStop or... Um, and remember, this is not investment advice, just an observation. With GameStop or with AMC, there were a lot of people that were short those stocks. And then a bunch of people jumped in and started buying those stocks, which caused a short squeeze and absence of shares. And so the price you know, for AMC got pushed up from $3 to, I forget, like $250 because there was a giant short squeeze. Well, because carbon credits have become, PM. oh, thank you. Because carbon credits have become, um, <laughs> I guess I just asked Siri a question, a tradable thing, they've now become a speculative thing and people are shorting them now too. Uh, I'm gonna show you charts in a minute of the price of them, but people are shorting carbon credits, figuring that they are going to go down in price. I personally do not believe that's the case because Companies' targets are, are, are essentially being, they're having to hit higher and higher targets uh, every year. And so they're going to have to be purchasing more and more of these, these, these carbon credits. 
and and where do you buy them? These are the places where there are actually exchanges for them now. Um, there's if you look down at the bottom, there's one that's specifically for aviation. Um, the largest one probably is the European Union um, uh, carbon credit market, and then California is also extremely large. Um, but most of the trading takes place in the futures market, and futures market trading is extremely complicated, but those guys can make a market in almost anything. And with this, they have. These are the futures products that are available to trade uh, different types of carbon. And one interesting one down second from the bottom, you see uh, California Carbon Allowance Vintage Specific Futures. So for apparently for winemakers, uh, they are able to uh, to match up when their carbon futures um, come due to when their vintages are. It's kind of interesting in a way, but you can see that there are options and futures. There are futures and options on futures that are available, but that's all very super complex if you want to invest in this. By the way, these are the prices of the European uh, carbon credit. Uh, you can see it's gone up for, uh, uh, quite a lot in the last uh, in the last few months. This is the California carbon credit market. Um, this is aviation, and this is just plain nature based carbon off offsets. If you're farmers or something like that, well, here's the here's the big picture chart. This uh, is starting in April of 2021 up until now, and you'll see, this is the continuous futures contract in Europe, you'll see that it basically goes straight up. And if you draw a line through it, it kind of goes up at about a, a 30 degree angle. And it really doesn't have a lot of collapses. And I believe it's not going to have a lot of collapses because uh, companies are being, because of two reasons, companies are going to have to meet their, their targets. So they're going to buy uh, they're going to buy carbon credits to offset their targets and companies that really don't have a carbon problem at all will just buy carbon offsets to satisfy their ESG uh, institutional investors that I talked about earlier. Now, if you're going to do it, the easiest way in the world to do it right now, if you look in the upper left, this is an exchange traded fund. There's really two of them in the United States that, that are the big ones, and it's you know cleverly called carbon, K-R-B-N. But what it is, is it's a basket of futures contracts. And like I said, that's a chart that does, to me, does not show a whole lot of risk in it. And if you look back in November of 2021, it's roughly 20. Now it's about 52. And, and so if you're going to, if you, if you're, if you're thinking about diversification and carbon credits sound super spooky and hard to do, and you hear about the futures market, how tough it is to invest in it through that, really the path of least resistance, sort of the, the Occam's razor solution to investing in carbon, if you believe that carbon prices are going to continue up, is really just to get an exchange traded fund which is on the Amex, um, the American Stock Exchange. 
And like I said, this one, you, you buy and sell it just like a stock and you hold on to it. And <clears throat> one notable thing about it is, is if, if you notice that's that uh, ETF, the price of carbon goes up in a pretty linear fashion. It does not look that risky. And so for those of y'all who've explored the world of uh, covered calls, if you run the math on this, when a covered call is when you buy a stock, and let's say this one's at 52, and then you sell a call at 55 to generate some income, this is a, this is a stock that right now, by all appearances, is perfect for that. And I think I might have actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, I actually looked it up. If you look in the red there uh, on a 55, um, if you bought one, if you bought 100 shares of that carbon, and that's $5,200, you can immediately turn around and sell a call on it for $1.45, which would be $145. If you did that every month, that would be about $1,800, $1,600 on a $5,200 investment although you'd have to keep resetting them because every month, because you'd have to roll them, what's known as, because uh, carbon credits, it would appear, are going to keep going up. Now, that's just a goofy idea of mine, but I've run the math and the math checks out. So for those of y'all that actually do covered call investing, this is a wonderful way to do it. For those of y'all who simply want to invest in sort of the broadest possible measure of, of the environmental sector um, of investing, literally the easiest way to do it is, is carbon credits. And to my mind, the easiest way to invest in carbon credits is to invest in an ETF like that KRBN that I just showed you. It's just like sort of the simplest way to do it. And um, I hope I made that clear for everybody. I'll take some questions if people have questions, but like I said, I would rather people think about this, not as a stock, even though KRBN or KBRN, whatever it is, is a stock. I, I think this should be thought of as an asset class like real estate. So your diversified portfolio would have real estate, stocks, something environmental like you know carbon, some crypto. Think of it as an asset class, not a speculative stock. And Megan, I'll take uh, questions now if anybody has them and if I can answer them.